All right, Mum. All right. So what time does Queen Linda make her grand ventures today? I don't know. I've not heard from her yet. Thought she might have a couple of brawny blokes to carry around on one of them sedan chairs. Is that one of them with a potty in it? No, no, no. It's sort of a small carriage on uh, sticks, actually. It's very fancy, very French, originally. Thank you, Captain Mansplay. I could just see her on one of them. She'd proper fancy herself. <laughs> anyway, don't forget, she's picking Joseph up from school. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 254 of The Talk of the Street, another official Cornish Street Catcher podcast that really needs to talk to the presenters of Femporium podcast and get some tips. I'm Gavin. And I must really, really, really love our dog. Do you? <laughs> just dropped $300 on the thing just to keep it well. Because he thinks his name is Get Out My Way. Oh, it's Night Night. Yeah, but because really, not, it's not, it's not, it's really not as funny, no. Well, yes, but you're making me sound quite cruel. Yeah. Deliberately so. It's just that, you know, when you come home at the end of the day and he's standing right there and you can't get in the house because he's standing right there. You say hello, Dobby, and then you tell him to fuck off. (laughs) If you've got too much things in your hand Mm. and you don't have Oh, there's always an excuse, Helen. Right. But yes, the vet, they see you coming, they see you going. They do. The cats are so much cheaper than the dog to maintain. Well, they're weird. Right, and there are less things that can go wrong with them. Well, once things start to go wrong with cats... It's that's, pretty much all over. That's it, right? Yeah. And don't tell Dobby this, but once things start to go wrong with Dobby... <laughs> oh, no. But he's still a good, healthy weight. He's, he's nice and clean and tidy and does not have heartworms or and, Lyme disease. But terrified of the vet now. Yeah, yeah. Never used to be terrified of the vet. You know who's really, really hates the vet, though? This black and white spotted kitten. Oh, my God, does he hate the vet. <laughs> oh, God, he will he will not speak to me. He will not jump in my lap for like a week after. He hides in the corner of the vet's examining room. And if you try to get him on the table, he'll like scratch you up a storm. And he growls. And he's a completely different cat than what he is normally. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, well, right. Good night. Has I broke my toe the last time we spoke? I I don't think so, but maybe. You broke your toe on the trash can this time instead of the bed. Yeah, I think I had. Ah. Yeah, I think I had. I think we spoke yeah. about that on Friday night. But it's it's, it's fine better. now. It's better. It's it's gone back to a kind of mauve colour. All right. It was pretty black for a while. And you're generally rather mauve, aren't you? I have been known to dabble. <laughs> so, so yeah, oh. I think in that regard, better. Good. Have you broken anything else this week? Not recently. Touch, touch wood. Touch. Is your head made out of wood? Yeah. My goodness. So we're here on a, on a Thursday evening. Yes. Why, why, why is that, Gav? Don't, don't, uh, don't make yourself too comfortable. We ain't going to be here for too long. No. What's the plan anyway? Right, yeah. And why? Why, Gav? What are we doing instead on a we Friday night? We are going to see The Grateful Dead. 
at Thorpe Park and Casino. <laughs> no, we're going to see... I think it's Foreigner, right? Yes, we're going to see Foreigner. In Battle Creek. In Kalamazoo. In Kalamazoo. <laughs> it's the same place. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. Tomorrow night, so yes, we won't have this, time to do this. And right. I simply don't have time on a Saturday anymore for it. I don't know that I know an awful lot of Foreigner. Yeah, well... It was kind of slim pickings when trying to find a concert for Stelly's for Christmas. So this is the last I've, event Christmas gift of I the year. I think she probably knows less for than I do, and I know barely anything. She has a vinyl record. She likes it. She's a fan of 70s music, and the problem is most of her bands no longer exist because members are dead. Although I want to know what love is, as I think the only one that I'm Everyone super knows. familiar with. Yeah, so I think that's the one everybody I'm going to be sitting with my arms folded and a scowl on my face I for, don't think so. for the hour and a half that they're on stage or whatever. Stelly does want to go see Queen in Detroit this this fall. I don't know. I don't know if I'm comfortable with the whole Adam Lambert-led it's Queen. It's not really Queen. It's, it's not, not really it's queen. queen. It's not the same thing. No, it's not, it's not the same thing. Ah. Uh, Anyway. anyway, what else has gone on this week? Oh, I've started the farmhouse auction. Oh, hold on. Auction talk. <laughs> Actually, I think I started it last week, but it wasn't like in full force because I was out two days because I was sick last week. I think people tune in for auction talk now. <laughs> so... One of the reasons why we're doing this farmhouse auction is we got all of this stuff from this old hardware store that had been like hanging on the walls and stuff. And we, we were expecting certain things and we got those things for the man cave auction. For example, if you go to the man cave auction, you'll see on the front page, there's a bear trap that is currently at $180, I believe. That came from the hardware store. But a, a, along with the stuff we were expecting was a load of stuff we didn't expect that had been hanging on walls or stuck in the attic for decades and just covered with like five inches of dust. This is the unglamorous part of my job. Yeah, you mentioned this last week. Yeah. And included in that were, you know, things that made me feel like I was in that scene in Twister. Remember that scene in Twister when they're in the barn and they're all these like sharp objects hanging from from the ceiling and Helen Hunt said who are these people <laughs> and it's kind of a joke because of course they would go to you know shelter from a twister in a barn with in a, in a, a chandelier lot of, factory and a lot of sharp things mm. that if they start flying around they are going to be cut to ribbons right including a set of three sides <laughs> That, uh, that I was cataloging this week and I posted on my personal Facebook, you know, this is what you get when you're clearing out the Grim Reaper's estate. And that got a lot of laughs. Now, you did uh, post a, a little teaser yes. on, our, on our Twitter about With some of the things that you were going to talk about in, uh, in auction talk this week. And right. one of them looked to be... Uh, um, a, a little doll of Pazuzu, the, the the villain from The Exorcist, which I'm hoping you haven't brought home. I don't. I don't remember a doll, or is it the two the two people in the house of the wagon? A, a little idol, a little headless idol that you'd brought back. 
Oh, no, that is, that's like this tall, oh. and it's a headless bunny rabbit. So not the Assyrian and Babylonian demon no. Pazuzu. Well, that's, that's good news. <laughs> but it is a headless rabbit, and I posted that on my personal Facebook page saying, this is what happens with when Mr. McGregor catches up with you. And that's hilarious as well. I should really just start a auction talk Twitter feed and, and post all these gems of humor. Oof. But... <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's sarcasm, right? So, so the farmhouse auction is actually gearing up to be quite dark. And, you know, I like dark, creepy things. You've mentioned my dolls. So, and I'm, I'm, I will be bidding on that headless bunny. Just fair warning. It's going to go out in her yard. Oh, well. And then today we got a load in and amongst the things were these carved wooden figures in a Conestoga wagon. And their eyes are just black dots. And they are the creepiest things I have ever seen. They may be even too creepy for me to bring home. And they are absolutely terrifying. So Help me. Help me. So you think the farmhouse auction is going to be nice and fun and sunny. But there are demons in the midst. And that's just the way I like it. It's a little bit of whimsy from me to you. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that whimsical... Cory News. Hollyoaks actor Stephanie Davis will be swapping the oaks for the street as she joins the cast of Cory for a, um, do I want to call it a love triangle storyline? Every triangle is a love triangle if you love triangles. <laughs> and I do love triangles. There you go. <laughs> yes. It's it's love triangle, but it also kind of feels a bit like grooming. Um, it's and that's all I'm going to Missy say. Missy Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Yes. I, I'm still not sure how I feel about it. We will. So stay tuned for mm. Coronation Street this summer, where I may or may not approve. Samia Longchambon will be stirring things up this summer as well. But on... The third series of Cooking with the Stars, not on the Cooking with the Stars? Cooking with the Stars, apparently it's a thing in the UK. Called Cooking with the Stars? Cooking with the Stars, this is the third season. Not Celebrity MasterChef? No. Are you sure? Cooking with the Stars, hosted by Emma Willis and Tom Allen. Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, that sounds wonderful. (laughs) I don't mind Tom Allen. A lot of people don't like Tom Allen. I think he's all right. I don't know who he is. I don't know that man. Yeah, you're right. Cooking with the Stars, British TV series. Oh my God, I'm right about something. Well, mark the date and time. <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where if it was our other podcast, Tommy Fitzpatrick would be saying, this is where Helen wants to cut off Gav's balls. No, boots me in the nuts. Yeah, and also boots you in the nuts. <laughs> and then cuts them off. <laughs> Very violent imagery. Yes. I've, I've been around very violent things this week. It's just seeped into my soul. And finally, Ellie Leach has revealed that among the few things she took as mementos from the set, the fake nail from the old Dead Ted storyline was one of them. Now that aired in the new year last year. Mm-hmm. So early 2022. So yes. filmed late-ish mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. Apparently she put her hand in a coat pocket and there it was. 
See, sometimes that happens to me. I put my hand in my jean pocket and... And you pull out a fake nail. And there's a toenail. What's that doing there? I hope that's mine. <laughs> it's probably not. Keep it close, Ellie. It could be worth something someday. And then you can send it to me and I will auction it off. <laughs> and that's Corey News. That's Corey News. <laughs> Let's uh, see what people have got to say in our Everyone's a Critic section. Ooh. I still think you're about ready to talk about YouTube. Still? After all this time? Mm-hmm. Always. Always. Denise wrote in to say, Hi guys, so happy to discover your podcast a few weeks ago. I appreciate your take on things. I have one question. Why do you refer to stew as homeless stew? It feels a bit derogatory given how much society looks down on unhoused or vulnerably housed people. Anyway, very much enjoying listening each week and I thought it was a a good interesting question it's a valid question and it's a very valid question and i think it it backs up to when Stu first came into the show and was indeed and, homeless and and was homeless but was really there just to be homeless yes. there was he was such a two-dimensional character like alke eric mm-hmm. as at the moment or 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 was, was. When, he, when he first came in here. He, he may as well was. have been a, a bottle of white and Mackay. Right. And now there's a bit more to him. None of it good. Um, but Stu, or Homeless Stu, when he came in, it was such a... It had so little else about him that mm-hmm. we started calling him Homeless Stu. And and that kind of sticks. Right. Just like uh, Irish Tina. Irish stuck. Tina, we didn't know what her name was. We, so we never called remember. Irish Tina and Tim's dad. Tim's dad, we didn't know what his name was. So he was he st- is still Tim's dad, as right. far as I'm concerned. And Tim's mum. Right, well, which is an extension of that joke. Right, but yes. I, I have to think what her name actually is. Right. Even when uh, people say it to her. What are they saying that to Tim's mum for? Right. Oh, because oh, her name is Elaine. We have started to refer to George as George and not The Undertaker, yeah. even though that was like one of the funniest ones where we pretended that he was like the actual Undertaker, the wrestler. Which yeah, well, funny. yeah, that kind of ran its course, I guess. Yeah. And maybe, maybe Homeless Stew has, has run its, run course, its course as well. As well. I think people could easily describe us as being painfully politically correct and maybe still referring to Stew as Homeless Stew. Is a little, is a little shadow over mm, that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because he is on Ted Lasso as well. He's like a commentator. He plays a commentator on Ted Lasso, right. and every time he shows up, you know, I say to the kids, "Hey, look, it's homeless too." And they're like, "We don't care." Well, hey, I'm all for it. Progression and stuff. Plus, yes. it means I have to type out eight, eight less characters. Yes. in my notes. So we'll see how it goes. I'm not promising, but thanks for bringing that up, Denise. Absolutely. It's a, a great point. It is a great point. And now we'll podcast for coffee. We're drinking our own coffees this week. <gasps> I am drinking three cans of Canada Dry Zero Sugar, which... How, how are you drinking at, three cans? At various stages of, of emptiness. Ah, that makes sense. You are... Drinking orange juice. Orange juice. Well, I'm out of cranberry juice and you forgot to buy me iced tea last week. Oh, I thought you had iced tea. Nope. Oh, well. Hell, Menji. The talk of the street is and always will be free on your podcast provider and on YouTube's. 
Yay. Remember YouTubes? Yes, I do remember YouTubes. But if you think our show is worth anything more than the time it takes to listen to it, and if you want to show your appreciation, you can buy us next week's coffee by going to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash the talk of the street, and we'll be very appreciative, won't we, Helen? Yay. And now, this... Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Asbo Omelette. Asbo Omelette. Was this something new that they were trying out at the bistro? That's right. This was David talking about Max being sent to the pupil referral unit and being around other bad eggs. So many other bad eggs, he said, that you could make an Asbo Omelette. Asbo being an antisocial behaviour order. Okay, see, that just went right over my head. It did. I remember doing that last year as well. Yay. I was Gavin and Tuyama is telling. Oh, yes. This was when I was still deep, deep in my Duolingo, which I haven't done in months. With mucho gusto. Which much, yes. Well, mucho gusto means nice, nice to meet you. So, uh, not with mucho gusto. Not, not with lots of gusto. No. See, it nice that's to me you. feeling my Spanish all level. <laughs> we were masked up to the hilt because I was just recovering from the COVID-19. Yes. Which wasn't as good as COVID-18, but never mind. Imran tempts fate by nipping to the office ahead of Alfie's naming ceremony as Elliot prepares to make some strong allegations. Fizz is nervous enough ahead of a dinner date with Phil with two L's and his friends and she's sent rushing out of the restaurant when details of her past come up over the poppadoms. Uh-oh. It's a big week for Max as he discovers his fate from the judge for spiking Amy's drink and learns which school he'll be attending after being expelled from Weddy High. Daniel is encouraged to apply for the permanent teaching role at school, but issues with his family weigh heavy on his mind. Jacob's personal hygiene issues give Eileen the fright of her life. Tim wins a romantic couple's overnight getaway at one of Debbie's hotels and orders some medicinal enhancement for the occasion. Wow. Gail likes carry-on screaming. The Edinburgh trip was a success. Michael needs podcast recommendations. Our I've moment got of the one. week was Gail and Eileen marking the five-year anniversary of the Manchester Arena bombing. I was like, still thinking about that. It was an incredibly powerful scene. Mm-hmm. And our boring moment of the week was Daniel and Ken prepping for his interview. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street. This time, last year. Yes. All right, shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Just got. Monday and Wednesday to talk about. Thank God. And we will catch up with Friday next week when we get back into our post-foreigner routine. Yeah, I have a feeling I'm going to hate Friday. The less talked about it, the better. All right, our first storyline tonight is HBO Max. (laughs) On Monday, in Nina's roles, David briefly talks to Maria about Max having a tough time and then, oh, realises that Maria doesn't care. And that's Mm -hmm. because no one cares. Mm. But especially not Maria, right. one of Max's targets. Yeah. Who if, what, what's his face? What was his name? The kid that did the stabbing. Ch- oh good, I can't Chad. remember his name. Let's go with Chad. Chad. <laughs> good old Manchester Chad. <laughs> if he'd got his target, it was Maria. Right. It was Maria was going for it. It was Alia yeah. who dived in. Right. Like. No. Yeah, right. Leaping. Diagonally. <laughs> Like that one time on The Simpsons. Yeah, and that other time on Coronation Street. 
Yes. A visiting a chatty Max talks about how someone was bullied with a sweaty sock pie because Max is in the Young Offenders in the Victorian era. <laughs> David is concerned about how Max is dealing with the confined spaces, the constant tension and the noises, and Max immediately twigs that David has been speaking to Daniel. Yeah, good job, David. He's not subtle, is he? As subtle as a brick, absolutely. And Max is rightly furious. This was supposed to be private. David says it was private. Daniel didn't show him it on purpose. He was just looking over his shoulder in the rover. <laughs> and Max, thank God. Yeah. I, I, think, I don't think I've ever been on Max's side as much as I was at that moment. Mm-hmm. It was like, excellent. He was doing it in public. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, this doesn't uh, cut any cheese for Max. And he storms off back to his cell. Back home, David tells Daniel that Max now doesn't trust either of them. Daniel concludes that this is a sign that Max is struggling. David thinks that he's given up, his eyes are dead, mm. and he's not going to last. And I'm not, I'm still not sure what he's basing this on. Right. Got news for you, pal. That kid's eyes were dead before he went to jail. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> During the whole racism thing, he was. Right. Yeah. He was very dead eyed. Mm-hmm. Frighteningly so. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to this. But this whole. He's not going to last. He's given up, Pish. Just, is David really seen this? Or is David saying what he thinks he's seen? Or mm-hmm. is David saying what he wants to see? Right. Because it's not what I'm looking at. No. Because this kid was sitting happily talking about sweat, sock sweaty sock pies five seconds ago. I thought they were going to do a, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of that movie. With Olivia, um, what's her name? Not Coleman. When she when she baked the poo pie, the pie with poo in it, it was also a racism storyline. Yeah. I, so I was glad that it was just socks. I don't think it would be poo at seven thirty on Monday night. Although people poo at any time of the day. Right, I poo all the time. You're, you're pooing, pooing right, right now. now. <laughs> yeah. That's what that smell is. Just open my window here. So. Back at the Young Offenders, Daniel holds Max back at the end of the lesson, which is happening more and more often. Yeah. Maybe stop doing that, Daniel. And gives Max yet another phone. And he tells Max to watch (sighs) a message that's been recorded by David. So, in his cells, Max watches a video from David, where David explains that he knows Max is at rock bottom and the only way is up, but he'll be home into a loving family soon. And he finally admits that Max was right to plead guilty. And I was like, oh, God, I forgot about that. David mm-hmm. didn't want him to plead guilty. Yeah. <sighs> Such an asshole. Yeah. On Wednesday, Nina rolls. David is suddenly worried that Max is going to do something to harm himself. Right. Like, yeah, all of like a sudden he brought Aiden up. Mm-hmm. Saying that he's on the edge. And that Kelly girl. Mm-hmm. Nice, 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 David. Oh, and remember that Kelly girl? Apparently she's gone off with a two-hearted alien now. Mm. Sean accuses him of catastrophizing, saying that he's probably just playing pool with drug dealers and the ghost of Johnny Connor. <laughs> and a cat. Oh, it's chilly called Gary without rice, 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 Ooh. Thank you. And the young offenders, Max, returns David's phone to Daniel, who's disappointed to learn that Max didn't record a reply. He says that David will be worried and disappointed too. What do Fuck you, what you, do you want from me? What do you you. want from me? He's just a kid. You're supposed to be good with kids. You're terrible with kids. It's really, really bad. 
He tells Max that family is important and not to turn his back on them. So at visiting later, David is there and finally gets what he and Daniel wants, which is for Max to break and admit that he's not coping and he's not alright. Max tearfully, correctly thinks that it's okay for him to not be okay because he did try and blow up the street after all and was kind of responsible for Alia getting stabbed. David tells him that he wasn't responsible because he'd been groomed. And Max is like, yeah, 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 I got groomed. And David tells Max that he loves him and it won't be long until he's out. Back home, David is pleased that he's finally got through to Max by making him admit of how miserable he is now. Right. Belter, says Shona. Back inside, Gav is singing the whole of American Pie to his girlfriend over the phone and it goes on much longer than you'd think or hope it would. I enjoyed every second of no, it. You didn't. Yes, I did. It was delightful. It was adorable. I love that kid. More Gav, please. More Gav. Give me all the Gavs. Hey. <laughs> I got one. I need to add more yeah. to my collection. Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same with guitars. Yes, yes, you are. It seems that the girlfriend is dinging his calls. He and Max continue to chat about their loved ones and it transpires that Max has told Gav that he's inside for stealing cars, not for being a horrible racist who blew up the street and got Alia stabbed. Gav, if I haven't mentioned it already, is a black gentleman. Yes. So maybe that's why Max is keeping and that to himself. And this is kind of ridiculous because when, when Max first got there, like three guys walked up to him and said, we know why you're in here yeah. and stuff. This was a big deal. It was in the papers. It was in the, right. on the news and stuff. And also, everybody inside knows what everybody else inside is in for. Yeah, and they can tell when you're lying. Right. Yeah, this is not, this is not something that is, you, you may not want to talk about it, but everybody knows. Mm-hmm. This is not something... I mean, I've never been inside, but I have friends and family who have been inside, so I know this to be a fact. Everybody knows what everybody did. Mm. You know, so this is this is kind of... I mean, it's meant to be fictitious, but it's really fictitious. Yeah. It's not true to life. I I kind of was hoping that Gav knew, and this is how, you know, and likes Max anyway, and is... The teachable moment for actually, I don't. I'm glad that none of no, this is seriously, true. No, seriously, you're talking. It's like, oof, no, I'm not, not liking the thing. No, this one yeah, bit. it's where instead of a woman, mm. the person who teaches a young white man a lesson is a black man. Right. Yeah. Which has happened before. The black man teaches a white man about racism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Green Mile all over. Not the Green Mile. The Green Book all over again. <laughs> the Green Mile was a very different movie. <laughs> yes, it was. It was a wee mouse in that. Yes, and it was a much better movie than The Green Book. <laughs> I'm so frustrated with this, and if you didn't pick up on that, hmm. the fact that Max has been unquestionably down. Right. I would say that 90% of the people that are in similar uh, institutions right. are a little They're not bit down. happy to be there. None of them are kicking back watching season one of How I Met Your Mother on DVD. <laughs> they're t- stuck in their cells on their own for long periods of time. And right. They're, and they're probably, at best, bored. Right. And at worst, <clears throat> severely depressed. Right. So the fact that we've singled Max out here from all of them, mm-hmm. that this is a kid that Daniel wants to reach out to, despite the fact he's pushed him downstairs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why, uh, is, isn't it? Is, 
well, it's one thing, but to go to the extent of, I think we, we've smuggled in two phones now. Three. Three phones for, or a phone I mean, that's been smuggled in and out. It seems like we're going to a ridiculous length here for a kid who, at the start of this storyline, we're told is probably going to get out soon. Right. And the fact that they're not happy until he admits that he's struggling. Right. What what happened to putting on a brave face? Right. Because that's what he's doing. He's putting on a brave face, he's Mm -hmm. doing his time, and then he's going to get out. Right. I mean, it is good for him to talk about his feelings. Of course. It is good for him to talk about his feelings. But they need to let the child do it on his own terms and in his own time instead of forcing him to talk about his feelings. Right. The way Daniel was talking to him, have you recorded a response? Well, why not? It's like he's handed in his homework. Right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So this contraband that I'm passing about this uh, institution, have you recorded something on it? And and the show seems to be just ignoring this fact. Yeah. I don't know. Am I meant to feel sorry for Max now? Yeah, now I that, don't. Now that he's been crying. I don't. I don't feel sorry for him. No. We I, shouldn't I don't feel, feel sorry, sorry for, for him. him. I feel a little bit of frustration and anger at, at David and Daniel for for their continued efforts here. If anything, you know, it's nice that he is so self-aware as to, to admit, I am where I belong. Mm. I hate it. It sucks. I'm miserable. But I need to be here. You know? Yeah. Because let's remember the last young person who was in jail and admitted that she was miserable. She never thought she belonged there. No. Looking no. at you, Faye. So, you know, at least it's a step in the right direction. I really kind of irritated by the whole talk about Lauren, though, because if don't... there's one person that maybe Max should just forget about. It's racist Lauren. I'm not sure that racist Lauren was the the main part of that. I think right. the, the main part of that conversation was it's Max just him and talking to Gav and Max not admitting what he's in for. Right. Because that's going to lead to Gav working out or finding out right. what Max is in for. And we've established that Gav is somewhere near the top of the, the pecking order. Right. And could make right. could seriously make Max's life far more miserable than right. it is just now and, and put him in proper danger that Daniel and David should be concerned about. Right. And make him lose his only friend because Gav is his only friend in there. And his protector. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I kind of feel that's probably where we're going because Coronation Street in in the 2020s likes jumping out of the frying pan into the fire a little bit. David, yeah, David no has kidding. David isn't worrying about Max anymore because Max cried right. during visiting. Mm-hmm. So now now Max is really going to get in a situation where he where he needs right. people's concern. That's, yeah, that's where I think this is going. Yes. All right, shall we move on? <sighs> sure. Our next storyline is Crystal Catfish, which used to be Daisy de Bergerac. Ah. On Monday. Daisy is heading off to see Ryan at hospital and Daniel thinks that this is a great idea because it's going to give Daisy time to come clean about her crystal ruse. (laughs) 
to the hospital, Debbie and Ronnie are already there when Daisy arrives. Ryan is looking better, and Debbie and Ronnie give uh, give D- Daisy, Daisy and Ryan some privacy. Ryan thanks Daisy for saving his life. Daisy apologises again for hurting, hurting his feelings and how she feels responsible for everything that's happened. But Ryan doesn't need her pity and asks her to keep it real, eh? He already has genuine friends. Genuine friends like Crystal, who really cares for him. And really exists. Uh-huh. And answers me sometimes. Right. But never calls me back. Yeah, about that, says Daisy, but he cuts her off and tells her to jog on. Back at the rovers, Daisy serves Ronnie, and the conversation quickly turns to Ryan. Ronnie observes that there was tension between her and Ryan at the hospital. She explains about Ryan, saying that, uh, that he doesn't need her, and Ronnie thinks Daisy needs Ryan as much as the other way because of the things that they know that no one else will ever know because they have this bond of being attacked, of, of by, being acid. attacked by, by acid, right? So they know what each other have been through. Back at the hospital, Debbie tries to get deets from Ryan about Daisy, but he doesn't want to go into it and would rather forget all about her. Ryan apparently hasn't heard from Crystal for a while. Funny that. Hmm. Back at the Rovers, Daisy admits that she couldn't kick Ryan anymore when he was down, so hasn't confessed. And when her phone pings, Daniel decides to mock her. Lovely stuff. Yes. Make what it a clear. great fiancé. The super stuff. Through the back, Daisy sees how many messages Ryan has sent, and she tries to write a message telling him to back off, or she's not interested, or how she can't do this anymore. But then another voice message arrives where Ryan apologises for the whole I love you stuff. And so Daisy texts us Crystal. Saying, of course we can still be mates. Yeah. Which was the wrong thing to do. Sings off with a kiss. Right, yes, which is the wrong thing to do because that's that's not how he's going to take it because he's a dude. Right. But she's sitting there knowing that she's doing the wrong thing here. Now she definitely knows that she's doing the wrong thing, that she's perpetuating this for... Does she even think this for... I think she does think it's for the right reasons, mm-hmm. or she just doesn't want to admit, ad- yeah, or let them down. But just stop answering. Yeah, or just text one last time. Sorry, this isn't working for me. Bye. <laughs> Have a nice life. That's great. Remind me never to fall out from you. On Wednesday again <laughs> at hospital. Carla's back. Yay! All right, all right, ball bags. All right, ball bags. All right, ball bags, says Carla. She's back and with 200 duty-free Marlboro Light for him. Shocked to see that he's back in hospital with the sepsis. She's promised his mum, Michelle, I think her name was, mm. that she won't let him out of her sight from now on. Now, let's get fired into these lovely ciggies, eh? Yes. And also, it's just like... I promised your mom I wouldn't let you out of my sight. I don't know why she's not here, uh-huh. but I promised her I wouldn't let you out of my sight. I don't know why she's not here, but I'm going to draw attention to the fact that, that she's, she's not, not here, here by mentioning her. Yes, twice. Later, Carla has seen that Ryan's mood lightens when he gets a text from Crystal. She and Ryan chat about Crystal and Ryan thinks the relationship is going all right, but he's not counting his chickens just yet. Back in the Rovers, Carla chats with Daisy about Ryan and this Crystal character. Carla wants to know her story because Ryan is getting smitten. A bit too smitten for someone too far away. She doesn't want Crystal to hurt him and Daisy says that that's unlikely to happen. Later, Daisy is sent to the bistro for for change for the pub. But wouldn't you know it, it's a set-up. Daniel has a table and two glasses and demands a phone-free date. And is 
reclining in the booth as if he is ready to just have sex right there in the bistro in front of everybody? Looks like it. Sure, whatever, says Daisy, and they clink glasses. Meanwhile, Ryan is in the hospital, scrolling through the real Crystal's social media and giving himself a cheeky one, probably. Probably. That's as far as we get for that this week. So here's the danger that we're now looking at, is that he's looking at her actual social media and could leave her a message or a like. On her social media, right. Or anything at any time. Right. Why hasn't he done that yet? Or has he done that and she's just ignored it? Which is possible. Almost possible. You think that you think it's maybe unlikely because the the conversation between him and Daisy is at the same pace and that talking about the same things together. Mm-hmm. So so I, I assume maybe that he hasn't done that, but maybe he's thinking about doing that now. Mm-hmm. Because he's going to find out, surely. Yeah. He's going to, this can't go on. This really can't go this on. This really needs to end. Right. Sooner rather than later. Yeah. Nice to see Carla back. Yes. Where's Peter? Did she leave him in Scotland? They went to Scotland. Yes. Which is why she came back and said, all right, ball bags. Right. She's just She's fresh. up the lingo. Fresh back from Scotland. Which is how we greet each other. It is. So if you ever go to Scotland, always say, all right, Bob Banks, to <laughs> everybody you meet, particularly bus drivers and the police. <laughs> and Nicola Sturgeon. She's probably with the police when you're, <laughs> when you're meeting her. It's nice that, you know, Ryan isn't pushing Debbie and Ronnie away anymore. Right. That's I, nice. I don't think... Ryan could do that if he if he tried. No, Debbie's dug her heels in there. Right, yes. She talks about how she wanted to be a nurse, and everybody laughed at her <laughs> because she's got no patience and no bedside manner. No. Yeah, I don't think. I, actually, I can imagine that as a nurse. Yeah, because I've 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 known nurses with no patience and no bedside manner. <laughs> right. And the old uh, ward sisters were kind of like that mm. in days of old. No in nonsense. Days of yore. No nonsense. <clears throat> was uh, when Ronnie mentioned about the two of them having a a bond. He's not the first person to mention that. No, that bond. Right. So we're we're getting a couple of hints dropped that this bond that exists between. Daisy and Ryan that that one could call codependence, I guess, if if one wanted to. I, I think it's kind of maybe not so much this week as it did last week, mm-hmm. but there was you know there was moments of electricity where Daisy and Ryan held hands inadvertently mm-hmm. for a few seconds and right quickly realised what they were doing and stopped it. Right, there was no real moments of that this week so no. far, but it is I think I can. T- I, a definite course for the storyline for the two of them to, if they don't get back together again, then mm. uh, then then at least admit their feelings for each other, yes. or for her to admit her feelings for him, and the fact that she's Crystal, which is going to happen the second before he finds out about about Crystal. Yeah. Oh well, moving on. Our next story is the return of Granny Linda. Woohoo! She doesn't say all right, Bob Ags when no. she comes in. She no, definitely she's doesn't. Far say that. too posh for that. Mm-hmm. All right, ball bags, is what she says. Mm. On Monday, in Nina's role... No, she says, all right, testicles. <laughs> Scrotum. Scrotums. Right, but 
The testicles are in there, and testicles is much more funny than scrotum. Well, we'll put that up to the vote. Testicles! On Monday, Nina Rolls Bernie is still in a bad mood about Granny Linda arriving today, and is further pissed when Gemma announces that she's going to invite her round for tea. So later, Granny Linda's back after picking Joseph up from school. She's already helping out. Right, yeah. Because wasn't Bernie supposed to pick Joseph right, up from school? Yeah. But it's Granny Linda that does it. Right, yeah. Bernie so Bernie's nose is already out of joint here. Yeah. Bernie pretends to be enchanted to see her again, but there's instant tension. Linda asks who's providing the wedding buffet, and when Gemma says Rutland's, Linda thinks it's the fancy Cheshire place that are geniuses with avocados, but Gemma means the one that's in the precinct that does pies. Linda offers to pay for the catering. Bernie thinks Linda's trying to buy love, but Gemma thinks it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And my first wedding for the reception... Uh, not the meal, but the reception afterwards. Mm. We had pies. Uh-huh. Everybody loved the pies. Mm-hmm. One of my lasting memories is Duncan Morrison coming up to me and going, Gav, Gav, there's pies. And I went, I know I'm, I'm paying for them. Right. Oh, they went down an absolute storm. That's good. Yeah, you, can, you can't go wrong with some scotch pies. So, after a couple of calls, Linda has booked a fancy place, her treat for the catering, Gemma is initially disappointed as she likes Rutland Steak Bakes, so Linda has to call back the fancy place to cancel and book the Rutlands that's in the precinct. That's a good deed done for the day, and Bernie immediately jumps on that, and even Gemma accuses Linda of thinking that they're a charity case, which right, they yeah. absolutely are. Right, saying, oh, well, that's my good deed for the day. That was that was, that was not the right way to word that. Was it? <clears throat> because that makes it seem like it's a good deed out of the kindness of your heart for charity and not, you know, a gift to family. I suppose, but I think you'd have to really look at it to take offence at it. I, I think I think you're looking to be offended by that. It it put my nose out of joint a little bit when she said it like that. Did it? Yeah. I didn't really mind. And even she admits that it was yeah, she says worded. You're reading too much into a clumsy figure of speech. Right. And then she fucks off for dinner with Izzy, well shot off the lot of them for the night. On Wednesday, Ches is heading out to work when Gemma bursts in to tell him that he needs to get his ginger arse down to the charity shop to pick up two suits that have come in. She's very keen to do this wedding on a shoestring with no charity apart from charity shops. Linda comes in later to see Ches and Joseph in unmatching suits that don't fit. That Ches says that they can tell people is ironic that we're deliberately trying to dress... And like Chesney's is like a a lounge suit from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> a tan, isn't it? A kind of dark it's, tan. It's, it's like it's jobby brown. That's what I would call like it. It's like a it's like a rust brown. It kind of matches his hair. It's jobby, little. jobby brown. No, it's, there's but, red in it. But Joseph's is black. Right, but it's got stripes in it. It's kind of pinstriped, but it's far too big for him. It doesn't fit him right. And let's agree that they don't match. No, they don't. I don't know if it's it's not helped by the fact that half of Joseph's shirt's tucked in and half of it isn't. Right. Or or maybe that's just how it looks. Mm-hmm. No, they, it was. They looked, they looked kind of appalling. Linda offers to buy them suits that that match each other and are decent. And Chesney draws a breath and says, oh no, we, we can't. Not after Gemma had a fit about the, the whole catering thing. But Joseph thinks it's a fabulous idea and just calls Chesney mean. All right, just don't tell Gemma. 
So, later, they get home all smart and suited and booted, and don't they look sharp as fuck they in their do. matching suits and waistcoats? Joseph and is especially adorable. Absolutely. Chesney decides to cut a button off. Right. A button off Joseph's suit. Right. Not his. Yeah. Chesney. But easily fixed. To make it look... <clears throat> to make it look like it's been in a charity shop. When Gemma comes in, she's amazed and so proud that they've been able to do this on the cheap. Then Linda learns from Gemma that they haven't organised a flowers or wedding cake yet. Fucking hell, says Linda. I'd hoped that after me paying for the caterers, you'd have money to do to do that. Right. And Gemma's like, well, I don't have any money at all. So right. So you paying for something doesn't give me money. No. So Gemma nips off for a shite. So Linda tells Ches that she'll give him a loan for the rest. And once he's got his stupid burger franchise idea... Which we'd all forgotten about. I'd forgotten about that. Because that consisted of two scenes from about four months ago, five months ago. Right, and they decided to get married instead. Where where Chesney cooked one burger for Gemma that she said was lush. Right. So that's the burger franchise idea. So how Granny London knows about it, God only knows. Mm. But once you've got that up and running, she says, and I believe in you, I believe in you, Chesney. You can pay me back. Yeah. She's never going to see a dime of that. No, and I don't think she expects to. No. I would hope not. But it does make me wonder if we aren't done with the whole... Burger joint thing? Burger idea. McChesney's. McChesney's. This Whopper's pretty small. (laughs) And it's just hit itself in the face with a brick. (laughs) There's far too much ketchup on top. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess I'm getting married and I guess I'm getting married pretty soon yeah yeah before Paul dies <laughs> it's got to be before Paul dies this is the thi- this is the thing though and I was thinking about this after we were done with the podcast last week that it's just so hilarious that Chesney and Gemma are getting married and Gemma's sibling is so very much into it that he's helping to pay for the wedding and he refuses to tell his family he's dying because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to ruin his sister's big day. Right. Chesney's sibling fucks off to Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't say a word about how sorry she is that she's going to miss his wedding. I don't think they mentioned the wedding at all as a consideration for when she leaves. No, I don't think that that... Did the show forget that Fizz and Chesney are siblings? Well, we sometimes do that. <laughs> no, that's a good point. And now it's making me wonder what Paul's money's buying. Right. Did Paul did Paul get the venue? Maybe Paul got the venue. Maybe. Oh, was that what the deposit was for that they end up they ended, they up, ended losing? up losing the deposit because the venue shut down because of COVID? Or something. Oh, it was the COVID. Well, it was because the the business was bad because of COVID. Oh. They ran out of money and they just shut down. How <sighs> do you feel about Granny Linda coming here with her checkbook and just throwing the cash about? I think, for the most part, her intentions are good. I agree. However, because because she is someone of means, I don't think she recognizes how it makes them feel. Although I don't understand, was she wasn't always rich because Izzy's not rich. No. And Izzy did not grow up rich because, I mean, she doesn't have posh manners at all, or Izzy. No, not at all. So I'm kind of confused by that. And, you know, maybe this was explained 
in classic Corey at some point or will be explained in classic Corey at some point. But, you know, I, I think her intentions are good, but I, it feels like the more she helps, the worse it's going to get. Well, now that we're keeping secrets from Gemma, right. yes, the worse it's going to get. What there should be is a conversation where she says, I'm just going to pay for all of this, mm-hmm. Gemma, and you just need to get on board with it. Right. Although I can understand Gemma's feelings. And if Gemma says, no, I, I can't do it, then Grand Linda has to back off and not pay for anything. Right. A lot of this seems to be maybe driven by the fact that Granny Linda doesn't want to go to a wedding that is going to embarrass her. Right. And I think there is a part of that because with the whole catering thing, she, you know, she gets them this posh caterer expecting them to be pleased. And then is really kind of shocked that we're like, no, we actually wanted the Rutlands. You know, we wanted this thing. This is us. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't know what to do with posh food. You know, they really wouldn't. And either way, Gemma's eating it with her mouth open, so it might as well be a pie because it's going to end up looking like a pie. Right. Yeah. So there does there does feel like there there is a there is a bit of that kind of snobbiness at she she's trying to pay for the wedding she wants to go to Mm -hmm. and does isn't really thinking about who Gemma and Chesney are as people. You know, who's who's going to go to this? this wedding because I think Granny Linda's probably going to be the 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 most well off person there yeah maybe Dev Dev right but Dev's money as we get reminded of occasionally is getting pushed into keeping Asha's photographs off porn websites right still still that will never end no until you know the internet shuts down as everything shuts down and we go back into the Stone Age. Or everyone goes, you know what? I think we're done with porn now. Yeah, that will never happen. No. When we go back to the Stone Age, people will be painting naked figures on the cave walls again. At any technology, the first thing that's used for is tends to be <laughs> pornographic. That reminds me, have you seen the, uh, the new logo for Mark's hot dog stand? Is that cock and balls? Well, it's a very phallic-looking hot dog, <laughs> and I'm like, they can't, they can't possibly have looked at this with with a critical eye. No, then they've probably shown it to somebody. It, she's posted it on Facebook. Krista has, and no one said. I think everybody's kind of like me; they're afraid to say. Oh, I'll do that. I don't right. mind. <laughs> I don't know her that well, but um, yeah. So, so this wedding is going to be. The people of of wealth, and I don't even think Dev's really wealthy, right? No, but it's going to be Linda and Dev, and Linda and Dev had a little. They did little frisson, yes, and and I don't think Bernie appreciated no. that. So Linda, if if what is happening is what I think is happening, Linda doesn't want to go to a wedding where she's sitting, being embarrassed about what other people are thinking of it, right. When everybody else is just going to be having fun and uh, thinking nothing of it. Right, so when she realises that nobody really cares, then, right. then she can let her hair, let her hair down. down a bit and enjoy herself. So, I, I don't know if that's what it is. I, I think maybe there's there's some of that. But really, the worst thing that you can do in the, the planning of a wedding is keep things from the bride, I think. Yeah. 
and the more that we're doing that, and the more that it's Linda that's doing it, yeah. it's just giving Bernie more and more ammunition, ammunition. for when right. this finally comes out. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. I think this is now our penultimate storyline. Ooh. Which is OMG CID FFS. <laughs> On Monday. PC Tinker is off to work as Jackson drops Miley off. Tinker, who was in a hurry to leave uh, for work two seconds ago, hangs back to make sure that there's no funny business between Jackson and Faye. Which is ridiculous because Jackson and Faye are about ready to leave mm-hmm. and leave PC Tinker behind. He's not yeah. going to be shadowing them all day. But he's clearly unhappy about this. Faye's idea of a big day of fun is to sit in the community garden in the rain with Miley. Miley makes a big pitch for Faye to come with her and Jackson to Sunny Slough. They're both going to miss her terribly, and Faye just doesn't want to think about it. So Miley continues to play on this at the ice cream place in the precinct, where she gets Faye to admit that she doesn't love Craig as much as she loves Miley. She's quite a manipulative little little madam, is our Miley, isn't yes. she? And if that's the case, says Miley, then come to Slough with me and Jackson. A passing Maria tells Faye to embrace these years because they're the best and they grow up so soon. Oh, so soon. So soon. In the pub with Craig later, Faye thinks that she's little more than a childminder for Miley and wishes that she hadn't bonded so well with her because now she feels like she's letting her down. Right, so maybe everybody shouldn't have forced this kid on her. (laughs) This is what she was trying to avoid all those weeks ago until Tim found out. Right. And then Craig found out. Craig has news of his own. Remember that shite storyline from a couple of years ago when Craig was going to join the CID and then didn't because everyone laughed at it? Right, and well, it just didn't pan out. Well, we're trying it again. Craig is going to be a detective. Faye doesn't really know what that means, so pretends to be impressed and happy and says, well done. Right, yeah, but she's she's kind of like, yeah, well done. Anyway. <laughs> Back to what I was talking about. On Wednesday, in Nina's roles, Craig is still pissed that no one is excited about his CID. It's just a secondment. Which I think is how it was getting built the last, last time, time it, it came up. Faye pretends to be pleased and proud of him. And when the wet lettuce fucks off to work, Faye is guilted into preparing a party for him. Oh, for fuck's sake. At the factory, Izzy doesn't know why she's throwing a party. Izzy Thank you, Izzy. Is the voice of the audience. But Faye ropes the other knicker people into helping arrange this party and decorate the bistro or whatever. Izzy thinks that maybe we should just put five pounds on the card and then just be done with it. Right. Gary and Thank you, Izzy. Gary and Maria have also agreed to help. Gary! <coughs> Gary's back! Yeah. From wherever. At home, Faye's about to leave, but is interrupted when Miley and Jackson show up unannounced, wanting to do Miley's family tree for a school project. Miley begs, and so they all go off to the cafe for lunch. So Gary, Maria, Jackson, Miley and Faye, and then Sally and Tim are all in Nina's roles, having fun and talking about family with the mood only dipping slightly when Miley asks about Tim's dad. Ooh. Well, also... Ooh, says yeah. Tim. Ooh, says Tim. Maybe we don't talk about that. There was that moment, too, with, with Gary when they were talking about his great uncle who was a wrestler. And she asks, oh, what, what happened to him? Did he die? And he says, no. You know, he was sent down for armed robbery. Yeah, he was an armed robber. <laughs> yeah. We also had... Enjoy your family tree, Miley. <laughs> we also had Jackson, who claimed to be a looky-likey for Rick Astley. Or or is related to Rick Astley somehow. I don't see that. Uh, Gary can't help but know it's the spark between Faye and Jackson. Happy families, he says. 
Later, back at the flat, Gary and Maria drop in with news of bunting that Maria has ordered. Faye, meanwhile, is cutting out cock and balls for decorations along with <laughs> along with silhouettes of people being falsely arrested and horrific crimes against women by the Met. When Maria goes, Gary has a quiet, adoptive, brotherly chat with Faye, warning her that Jackson clearly has his eyes on her and tells her to tread carefully. Thanks for that, Gary. This is uh, um, advice she's already been given. <laughs> well, she knows herself, right? right she doesn't need yeah. this advice. But I think she's maybe a little bit shocked that it's so obvious. Because if Gary's noticed it, surely Detective PC Tinker's going to notice right, it too. Right, because he's going to be a detective. Mm-hmm. Detecting things. Right. The bistro is confirmed as the venue for the party tomorrow and much to Leanne's chagrin, Sally and Tim arrive to move tables around. Tim thinks it's a big effort for a stupid secondment. But, Thank you, Tim. But does suggest that Miley and Jackson are invited and then Leanne and Sally kind of have words about what constitutes a restaurant. Right. And in Sally's mind, if it doesn't have cloth napkins, it's not a restaurant. Later on the street, Craig sees Tim and Sally. He's looking for Faye. Sally is KJ, not wanting to give away the party, and says that they haven't seen her since earlier in Nina's roles with Jackson. Jackson, says Craig. And his voice goes up slightly higher. Yeah. Tim and Sally think they did a great job covering, but all they've done is make him even more suspicious. Mm. And later, Faye gets home to find Craig making dinner, or at least chopping things. But Faye has already eaten, saying that she was at the bistro with Beth. Craig challenges her about being at Nina's Rolls with Jackson for lunch, and Faye points out that Miley was there too. They were working on the family tree thing. So Craig has to be passive-aggressive when he kind of, but not really, accuses Faye of something by having lunch and dinner out in one day. He'll make a great detective. Faye smiles awkwardly and heads off for a shite. And that's as far as we get with that. Well done. Well done, Faye. For? For keeping the party a secret still. Oh. I kind of think that she's forgotten all about it already. Her (laughs) mind is nowhere near this party for Craig. Right, yeah. She's just kind of forcing herself to do it to make it look like she still gives a fuck. Mm -hmm. Which she does not. (laughs) She clearly doesn't. No. They've amped up Craig's annoyance a little bit. Yeah. When I thought I thought that he and Jackson had made peace. But then again, I thought that Bernie and Granny Linda had made peace as well. Yeah. So what the hell do I know? Yeah, but they they definitely had made their peace a couple of weeks ago. Right. But Craig is still suspicious. Right. And he's talking very funny. He is. There was a moment in Nina's Rolls where I would have sworn that he'd shot himself in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> and you can pinpoint when it happened. <laughs> there. That's the moment that, that Craig Tinker shot himself in Nina's Rolls. Because he's talking about how it's his, his, his dream. Right. His dream is to be a CID detective. A dream that he's had for so long that the, the last time the opportunity dropped into his lap, he gave it up. It's not much of a dream then. But we're really going for this. Really? We seem to forget that he is not a very good policeman. That he is a bent copper. He's as bent as they come. And it's it's not a good... It's not a good believable PC. No. So he's going to be even less believable as a detective. Things go right over his head. He's, He's... It's not... He's not very observant. I don't don't think he has the right temperament for it. No. I don't think he's got the right temperament for being a PC. I don't think he has the right temperament for being a boyfriend. (laughs) Or a husband. 
Yeah. Fear Creek. What does he have the temperament for? OCD. He was perfectly acceptable in the factory as a, as a packer with Kirk, I thought. He hated that, though. Yeah, but he was good at it. He's miserable. Or it was believable, is it? No. Sorry, Coulson. No, it's not his fault. No. It's not his fault the way his character's written. I do wonder if... if it is his fault that he doesn't know how to say Talladega, though. <laughs> I'll blame the parents. I'm wondering how we're, we're getting to the point where either Craig finds out that Faye still has or has established feelings for Jackson in a very short period of time, it has mm. to be said. But I guess when right. you have the and little family remember, together, she maybe... she was kind of mad at him for being a dick and like going behind her back and everything. Mm-hmm. Has she forgotten all of that already? What was the point of all of that if we're just going to forget about it immediately? And those little moments this week kind of kind of portrayed a fairly negative side of Miley's personality. Mm. She's kind of spoiled kind of demands her own way and kind yeah. of manipulative. And yeah. It seems slightly different from the initial Miley we knew before. Funny that. <clears throat> funny funny when a character changes like that overnight. Right. I guess it's because a little girl. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, well. Oh, well. <clears throat> Let's move on to our final storyline this week, which is Justice for Amy. <sighs> Again. Uh, on Monday, in Nina's roles, Amy is with Summer and consumed with thoughts of Maya and how Aaron has posted that the two of them are having lunch at the bistro. She's determined that Maya listens to what Amy has to say to her. So later, Amy sees Maya outside the garage and with no sign of Aaron, Abby tries to warn Amy off, telling her that she has no beef with Maya. Maya says how amazing Aaron has been and accuses Amy of trying to split them up. So Amy has to admit that Aaron raped her. But if she thinks that Maya is going to believe her, she's got another thing coming and she accuses Amy of making it up and calls her mentally ill. Maya storms off, which allows Abby to have a word with Amy, saying how confused she is with Amy backtracking on her story. But Amy isn't in the mood for a chat and says that she has her reasons and storms off. Back home, Amy explains what happened to Summer. Summer tells her to stop beating herself up. She's not Maya's guardian. I agree with Summer on this. Yes. You tried. It didn't work. But you tried. Mm -hmm. So it's on Maya now. Yep. So move on. Right. Meanwhile, Maya has turned up at the the garage and tells Aaron what Amy said to her. Aaron doesn't understand why Amy won't drop it and explains his twisted side of the story. He tells Maya the police said that he'd done nothing wrong, which isn't Isn't exactly true. what they said. This is what he's heard. Or this is what he thinks he's heard. Right. Not having enough evidence does not mean mean that you're not guilty. Exactly. Maya is furious now, but furious with Amy. So next we see DS Swain turning up at number one. Woohoo! Now that's a good detective. That's Swain. She has a complaint against Amy for harassment of Mia. Steve and Tracy are outraged, but Amy tells Swain what she did, and she was only trying to help. Swain believes Amy, but warns Amy to stay clear of Mia in future. That's the end of Swain. That is the Swain. <clears throat> so, Amy storms off to shout at Aaron instead, and in front of Abby, 
Amy makes her accusations again, and Aaron denies them, saying that they're never going to agree, so let's agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah, about uh, rape. Yes, I don't agree to that, says Amy. He says that they need to move on. You raped me, Amy tells Aaron, and your mechanic is a rapist, Amy tells Abby. And I can't exactly move on mm-hmm. from this until you admit what you did to me. Right. And even then, it's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. Back home again, and Amy is putting all this negative energy into something positive by writing about her experience. Somewhat approves, calling it good therapy. Tracy wants to track down Mia's parents. Steve wants to smash Aaron's face in. Oh, decisions, decisions. Mm. Next, Why Ab- not both? <laughs> Next, Abby calls round. Tracy calling her the rapist's fairy godmother. Mm, that was good. So Abby and Amy sit down and chat about it. Abby says that she believes Aaron genuinely believes that he did nothing wrong. So Amy explains exactly what happened and says it was horrendous when people thought that she'd been raped. So that's why she backtracked. Abby can understand an awful lot of what Amy's explaining. And at the end, Abby believes Amy and confirms what we all knew that she saw Aaron as a Seb substitute that she could do the right thing by, and Amy accepts her apology. Later, on his way out, Steve casts a look over what Amy wrote about her rape and reckons if it helped, then she should post it, and she should post it far and wide. So that's what Amy does. Meanwhile, Aaron and Mia meet at the Rovers, and Mia is determined to clear Aaron's name and put a stop to this shite. On Wednesday, someone arrives early at number one, which makes Daniel uncomfortable. Yeah, that was really awkward, the Daniel and Summer in the same room Mm -hmm. thing. It was like, oh yeah, remember when that happened? (laughs) I I just want to, with the whole Abby thing, I thought it was really interesting. You know, because she's crying. Abby is crying through an awful lot of this. And she says something to Amy about how, you know, in her younger years, you know, there was an awful lot of, you know, going out and, and getting you know, and being drunk and crazy and stuff, you know, and you don't really think about it. And it it feels almost as if, uh, you know, another thing other than the whole substitute thing is, is that Abby is pushing back the realization that some of those incidents in her youth that she just kind of skated over right. in her mind was actually her being raped. Yeah, and I reckon that if you're a woman and you're a heroin addict, that's probably happening. I don't know if it's happening regularly, but I, I bet Quite a bit. It, I bet you it's happening frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I, I guess that was a, a side of it that maybe maybe we hadn't <laughs> considered. Right. And and it's 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 very valid. Yeah, absolutely. Because it really is the, is it the message or the messenger or the way that the message has been delivered? But but either way, it's all, it's all hitting home for Abby. There's no right. question in her mind now. Yeah. And, you know, and, and she was, she was backing the wrong horse and, right. and maybe not for the right reasons or anything like that. But now that the truth has, has been explained to her fairly clearly, then mm-hmm. there's no, there's no debate about it. No. So, anyway. Anyway. Summer's bumped into Daniel and it's hilarious. It is. But as he leaves, Amy, Summer and Daisy talk about Amy's article, which has, of course, gone Gone viral. viral. 
Leanne has obviously seen the article and she storms to the garage where Tyrone and Abby have also seen the article and have talked about little else. Leanne demands that they get rid of Aaron and when Aaron shows up for work, he seems oblivious, like he hasn't read the article, but of course he has read the article. Right, yeah. And he just calls it lies. Why why are you guys all upset about this? It's all lies. (laughs) That doesn't wash with Tyrone who tells Aaron to collect his jotters. He's out of here. Yay! At the cab office, Tim hasn't read the article, but Sally's read it to him. Steve also hasn't read it. It's all too real for him. Tim points out all the shenanigans that have gone on over the years and reminds Steve that things work out and they sort themselves out sometimes and he references yeah. Faye because she was in jail not so long ago. Remember that? Remember that? Yes, we Chilling do remember that. Back. Remember when my daughter was in jail? Yeah. Well, she's all right now. Yeah. Now she's getting married to a copper. Oh, life. Oh, life. Meanwhile, Aaron has stormed off to the precinct where his alcoholic father meets him. They choose to meet here rather than at Eric's house because they don't have a set for Eric's house and Correct. probably never will. No. Eric is furious to learn that Aaron has quit at the garage and has read the article and has put two and two together. Eric is going to take action on this. So he goes round to number one to badmouth Amy and to warn her that he's spoken to his solicitor. Thanks, Nan. And she'll be getting a letter this afternoon, which Amy gets. And it demands that she takes the post down or they'll sue. But Amy doesn't want to take the article down and Steve backs her up. Oddly, we don't learn that there's a time-sensitive issue attached to this. It's just take right. it down. Right, yeah. Because initially there was no time-sensitive issue. There's no time-sensitive issue until they dis- until the other side be- decides there's a time-sensitive issue. Right. So they all go round to the legal office to speak with Dee Dee, who reckons it could be a wind-up or there could be proceedings and in civil court it's going to be his word against hers and it's a balance of probability and if they lose it could cost them hundreds of thousands of pounds. Dee Dee's advice is to take down the post. Tracy will not have her daughter bullied by her rapist into silence so tells Dee Dee to suck her balls, which is a shame because it's got nothing to do with Dee Dee. Hmm. Back home, Steve thinks that they should at least consider taking Dee Dee's advice But Tracy reckons it's about the money And suggests that they could sell the businesses And when Steve balks at the idea She reminds him that he was ready to do the same not so long ago For good old lost cause Oliver And Steve wisely decides to go for a walk at this point While Tracy shouts her apologies at him Right I mean They were desperately trying to save Oliver's life So that is Mm, there's a bit more to it than that Different There's a bit more to it than that They weren't trying to save Oliver's life Of course they were Right But they were trying to save Oliver's life With experimental treatment against everybody's advice Right, yes And this is trying to save In many ways, trying to save Amy's life Yeah So Tracy's not that far off here that I mean, it's it's a horrible thing it's to say. It's a horrible thing to say in the way that right. she said it. But, but she's, she's right. <laughs> Steve walks to the bistro where Leanne is very much Team Steve and they agree that the situations are different, which they are, because Amy at least has a 50-50 chance. Right. Leanne, though, sees sense in backing Amy because right. it's your daughter. Why right. wouldn't you back her? Right. So what message are you sending her by not doing it? Right. In the community garden, Summer tells Amy that her article has been mentioned on the Femporium podcast, which is nice, isn't it, Helen? Yes, and it's been shared, and lots of other women are coming forward with their stories because of Amy's story. That she posted 12 hours ago. Yep. Just as Aaron arrives, want to know what Amy's problem is. 
other than you raping me. Right. Aaron explains that he's lost his job. He's getting abuse from dogs in the street and any future employer is going to ding him when they find the article, even though Amy's article didn't mention his last name and just mentioned him as Aaron. Right, yes. And also, her life is also ruined because you raped her. <laughs> there is that. He points out that this fictitious future employer will see the same when they look up Amy's name and he begs for both their sakes for the article to be taken down. Steve goes home to find Tracy in a super apologetic mood, but Steve tells her that she was right and he agrees to fight, reckoning that they don't want it to go to court either. So, you mm-hmm. know, let's call their bluff here. But Amy decides it's not worth it and takes post down, saying that she's made a point. Later, Didi comes over to tell him that Amy taking the post down is too little too late. And now the other side are demanding that Amy writes a retraction. Steve tells Didi to set up a meeting. No one calls Amy a liar and gets away with it. No. So at the law office, Steve, Amy and Didi meet up with Alke Eric and his nameless solicitor, who demands that Amy retracts her article and tells people that she made it up because the Femporium podcast has been downloaded by thousands of people now and the damage has been done. Right, even though somehow they have been, they've been able to convince the Femporium <clears throat> podcast to take down the podcast episode where they mentioned the article, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. No way would a pod a podcast would say "fuck you" yep. and "fuck the horse you came in on." Yeah, they're just reporting on it, right? It's right. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, I don't know how grey that area is. I don't think it's particularly grey at all. No, I guess we need to say something libelous and see what happens. Don't. Haven't we done that already? <laughs> Probably. Amy refuses to lie, so Alki Eric calls her a vindictive little bitch and announces that he's going to sue her for all that she's worth. And that's how we end this week's episodes. And the lo- and his lawyer just kind of shrugs <laughs> and runs after him. He just stands up quietly, doesn't say anything, what, and then he just, walks out. He does kind of shrug at them, <clears> like <throat> does like a little shruggy apology. <laughs> I kind of want this to go to court. Because, oh, I so want this to go to court. Because if it goes to court and she explains about how she passed out and then in the morning her underwear was off Mm -hmm. and she didn't know how her underwear got off and thrown into a corner. I I don't think an awful lot of people, depending upon the judge and, and, and everything that she has a very strong case. Well, and what is his case? His case is no, I didn't do it. Right. Because she took her shirt off. So of course she wanted to have sex with me. No one has asked him the question, what did Amy say to you that made you think it was okay to have sex with her? Right. And what did you say afterwards to make you think that it was okay that you've just had sex with her? Right. Nobody's asked him these questions no, yet. Because no. the answer to those questions is she didn't say anything and she didn't say anything. Right. Because she was passed out. Right. Yeah. No, people just keep saying to him, well, did you do it? And he's kind of saying no, not exactly to people now. Yeah, there's and some, tr- kind there's of some like, truth There's some it. truth to it. We did have sex, but it was consensual. And I know it was consensual because she'd taken her shirt off. Mm-hmm. That's like, not like, consent. Like people do when they're going to their bed. Right. <laughs> or to the beach. Right. Or to take a shower. Or to scratch the rockster. Sometimes I take my shirt off to do that. I... Sometimes you really want to get in there. Oh. <laughs> oh, could you coo? <laughs> so, 
<clears throat> Gav is like Paul Rudd when it comes to oxters. I do have a thing with oxters. <sighs> I apologise to no one. I don't know if it is going to go to court, but... I feel like if it goes to court, that's where we're going to see justice. It is balance in the civil of prob- court. Right, so it is balance of prob- probability. It's not beyond reasonable doubt. It's just, basically, who do you believe? Right. But the thing about the whole he said, she said thing, our, our Christy P has, has posted on our on our Soar Initiative uh-huh. page that it's a, it's a, it's a horrible... Right. It's a horrible phrase mm-hmm. anyway and it's never balanced right it's never he said no. she said that, that means the same thing it's he said she said we should believe him right yeah basically so right it's and a, it's kind of like he said she said he did you know right this i you know you can say whatever you want but if you did something you know it doesn't matter what you say or it shouldn't matter what you say right exactly yeah you know yeah so if it does go there I, I really do hope that this is where for the storyline comes around but i kind of kind of hope that aaron admits to it before it gets to that right because i mean we've said this before but amy has been like through enough close. and i don't right. know needs a nobody needs a protracted court case for this right. and these things can go on for, for mm-hmm. quite some time as, as we know but if it did go to the court, then then surely that's where Amy gets her justice if right. she doesn't get it beforehand. Yeah, because how else is she going to get justice? How else is the show going to give her justice? Because they have to give her justice. But we've introduced two new villains into this. Maya and Aaron's dad. Right. Because who now... We, who we kind of wish was still a caricature of an alcoholic. Right. Because now we feel that, or now I feel, in a lot of ways... Aaron's actions are being dictated to by them. Mm-hmm. It's Mia who wants to clear his name. It's right. Mia who wants to. It's Mia who went to the court or the, the police station and, and got Swain and, involved in it, right? Right, and, and Eric, Aaron had no idea. It's Eric that goes to get a solicitor. It's, right, it's Eric who's sitting in that meeting. Right, Aaron's not there. No, God knows where he is. Mm-hmm. And it's Aaron and it's Eric that's saying, "I'm going to sue you for all your worth." And, and calls Amy a bitch, which for is, which he is a very bad go, person. Surely going to regret saying that. So Aaron is being bad and bad enough that he's a rapist and he's not admitting it. But even in the moments where he wants to do the thing that's going to cause the least distress for right. Amy, yeah. he has these two new characters in his corner that are making sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, And Eric is one horrendously horrible person he really is i mean we kind of joked with him last week about being so pleased that nan was dead right but he really is that shitbag right. he is that awful well i mean let's not forget he, beat he, he used to use his son as a punching bag right and it kind of feels like this is him trying to make up for all of that now that he is supposedly sober mm-hmm. he's more like a dry drunk than an actual sober person you know, because he's still exhibiting the behaviors of an angry drunk. Yeah, very much so. So. <sighs> but this is the bit where I'm kind of glad that we're not talking about it for Friday. Because right. before we get to that bit where the, the justice is earned or we're moving in that direction, mm-hmm. I kind of feel that Amy's got more darkness to go through. And yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I kind of need a little break, break from that for we a while. Do. And so does she. <clears throat> right. Oh, do you know what? Maybe it doesn't come up on Friday. I've absolutely no idea what the what the show's tackling. But right. But um. But yeah, th- this this storyline in particular, the way that it's going, where Amy's got the cops at her door, and is now being sued, and she's the one who's been raped. Right. <laughs> she's a victim in all this. Right. But she's the one where the police have got a far better case against her than they ever did for her. Right. Weeks ago. And now the same can be said for the legal right. system. So oh, she's been let down by the police and the legal system in a week. Sween had said, Sween did say, we're not pursuing it, but just steer clear of this girl. Yeah. And you know. Sween does believe her. Right. Which is nice. And it's nice that the rest of the street now believe her. Mm-hmm. You know, because before... Well, Abby. Right. Abby believes her. Addie now believes her. That happened like last week. You know, there and the rest of the street now knows about it and has her back. You know, you know it was really nice Tyrone saying to Aaron, look, I've known Amy since she was a little girl. I've known you for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't make this up. I'm wondering what what legal uh, recourse Aaron has for getting fired there. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Because Tyrone can quite easily say that his employment was costing them business. Mm-hmm. But being being sacked on suspicion of being a rapist probably isn't going to wash with any employment tribunal. But, no. but thankfully, Arne isn't even thinking about doing that. What I did like was Leanne sticking her neb in at the start there, as Leanne is prone to do. Right. But requiring no convincing. No. <laughs> Leanne believes this right from the off. And, 100%. And, and rightly so. As would Toya, if Toya mm-hmm. was in it. Where's Toya? Where is Toya? Where's Toya, a, a qualified therapist that could maybe, I don't know, speak to Amy and, right. and help her get through this? Right, yeah. And, I don't know, as a qualified therapist, maybe go into the prison and actually help Max? <laughs> as opposed to being Daniel, who's just the worst person ever? <laughs> Smuggling in phones and heroin and cigarettes. That's right. Oh, well. Oh, well. We've got a concert to go to. So that was the week that was Coronation Street. Minus Helen, Friday. Helen, tell me, what was your moment of the week minus Friday? This is really tough because we only have two days to pick from. Yep. You know what? You know what scene I really kind of liked? The scene in Nina's Rolls where where the whole family is, is helping Miley with her family tree. And we get Gary t- <laughs> talking about the 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 uncle who's gone to prison and we get Jackson who's related to Rick Astley somehow. No, he isn't. And the, the less said about Tim's dad, the better. It was just kind of nice to see like all of Miley's family kind of surrounding her in that scene. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. Gary and Faye are related. They're by siblingness. Adoptives, adoptive brother and sister. Right. Yeah. So the wind ass side of the family doesn't even really count. They seem to get through it very quickly. Myla said, right, that's the wind ass side done. Right. Well, really, we don't how far, know. How far back are you going here? We don't know what they covered before, before we hit that scene. Mm. They were probably there for quite some time. Mm. Or or we saw it all. <laughs> and I don't know. What do you think? I can I can, I can live with that. What, what, do you have a scene that you really liked? I mean, the the Amy and Abby scene together was, was good, but I, I feel like we've kind of, we've given moment of the week to that kind of scene right. a few times. And I, I have a feeling 
we'll be giving Amy moment of the week again sometime very soon. And also, I just, I really don't want to, I really, this is not a storyline I want to praise at all, especially at this point. Mm. Fair enough. The family scene that Nina rolls with the ancestry.com or whatever. That is our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Except Friday. Your boring moment of the week except Friday. Daniel referenced something this week, <laughs> and I can't remember what it was. It was a it was a piece of literature. He did. Do you remember what it was? I do not. But I just kind of rolled my eyes at that and said, "Well, there's boring moment of the week right there." Well, if we can't remember what it was, then we need to pick something else. Ah, <clears throat> you know what scene I really kind of did like with Daniel this week, when when Gav came up to him and said and oh. thanked him. You know, and and everything, and Daniel treated him like he was being sarcastic. Don't and, be sarcastic, Gavin. And he says, "I wasn't. I was being genuine." And Daniel's like, "Oh, yeah, I love that as well." Yeah, that was a great scene. That was I more I, Gav, please. <coughs> it wasn't moment of the week, no, kid, but it was. It was, but a it was good great. Scene. Oh God, what did Daniel reference? It was a Greek philosopher, wasn't it? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Was it maybe Carla mentioning too many times how she's promised to keep an eye on Ryan for her, for his mother? Right. Because <sighs> in consecutive scenes, she mentioned it. Right. Just she to did. make sure that nobody missed it. Right. And that everybody missed Michelle. Nobody misses Michelle. <laughs> Fine. Fair enough. I'll do it. How are we giving Carla a boring moment of the week? All right, ball bags. That's it. Boring moment of the week. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for for this shortened week. Then we've shaved like twenty minutes off. <laughs> it's always going to work out that way. Do you think we could convince her to 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 say "All right, bow bags" in like a a little clip, like like the whole Dollywood thing? Do you think Alison King would be up for that? If Alison King was to send me a clip of her saying all right bob eggs it would make my year you would die a happy man <laughs> allison if you're listening that would be incredible it would be incredible there are people on in the cast who listen to us so word will get back to her well i, I don't know now that charlie's left no other people do listen the writers listen to us <laughs> Maybe not enough, but, you know, they do listen. <laughs> anyway, anyway, if you have a clip of Alison King saying, all right, ball bags, here's how you can get in touch with us and tell us about it. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helena Coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of boggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Thank you. And we'll be back at our usual time next week. Yes. With an extended Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Cheerio. Bye.